proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena Arias. Welcome, friends. How wonderful that you have decided to be with us in this part of your day so we can enrich our thoughts, our goals in life, and broaden our understanding of our existence here on earth. What is the extent of the quality of life that we can have and understand that it is no accident or no coincidence where we were born, where we are living at present, what is going on in our lives, that everything, according to God, has a purpose. And we can be confident in this. I know that life has many turns, twists, and challenges, and we can at times lose our focus. And we are certainly living challenging times in our world today. I don't know in what part of the world you are living in right now as you are listening to this program, but I hope and pray that you are not taking your life or every day that you are allowed to wake up to a new day, I hope you're not taking it for granted or living it on automatic. There is no such thing. If you allow the trends, the currents, the opinions of the day sway you, to and fro, you're going to be a very confused and dissatisfied individual. So I hope that that is not the way you are looking at the world, looking at your life, and in the place where you are developing. We're going to consider a question. Where is the hope for America? And that can be also applied to wherever you are. Where is the hope for you? No one can live without hope. That is a fact. People who lose hope many times choose to check themselves out of this world. They don't see any purpose. They don't see anything changing in their life. They feel helpless and hopeless to change anything. But it is a fact. Hope is what helps us face a new day with all its challenges. Hope is to have desires, wishes, and expectations, feelings that something may occur. It is anticipation of a good break in life just around the corner, just around the bend. It is aspirations, goals, aim, ambition, and optimism. But please pay attention to this. Hope for the most part, is faith and confidence. But not just 
faith and confidence in a vacuum. Your faith and your confidence must be based on something that is immovable, and that is what will sustain you throughout life. How is America doing in the hope department these days? Welcome to the program as we look into this question, Where is the Hope for America? I'm Nena Arias. We all go through times when we have to fight hard not to lose hope. All of us, at some point or another, will have to ask ourselves, what am I basing my life on? Is it all worthwhile? What waits for me in the future? Even King David, the psalmist of the Bible, experienced this. And we find in Psalm 42, verse 11, the following. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. End of quote. Did you pay attention to those words? In this psalm, David is literally speaking to his soul like if it was another person. It's like he took his soul out, set it on, on a chair, and is speaking to himself and admonishing his soul to hope in God and to praise him and remember who God is. Have you ever spoken to yourself that way? I have. Because many times our mind wants to wander off in directions that it is not really strengthening our faith. It is focusing us on the negative of things. And you must make a conscious decision deep down from within your spirit and say, I will not allow myself to be discouraged, to be defeated in any way, because God is still with me. And then you begin to praise the Lord and invite his presence and usher in into his presence. And then things begin to happen. Before you know it, the discouragement is gone. In another psalm, Psalm 31, verse 24, it says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. End of quote. If we have our hope and our faith and our confidence in the Lord, we will not be moved, no matter what is happening around us. I hope that you have that kind of determination today. And if you don't, speak to your soul like King David did. Speak to your soul and command it to think on the Lord, to not be defeated, to not be discouraged, to remember that God is our salvation. The prophet Isaiah also offers hope in this very well-known verse in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. End of quote. You see, in God, even when it seems like there's nothing happening around us, and we have to wait and wait and wait, even those times of waiting, we are renewing our strength. We are reaffirming our faith in God, and it says that we shall mount up with wings like eagles. I love that analogy. Have you ever 
read about the characteristics of eagles? They are the fowls that fly the highest. Yet they have such keen eyesight that they can see a rodent crawling around on the ground and dive for it to eat it. They are sharp. They have a perspective. It's way up high and they can scope a lot of territory. It says, when we wait on the Lord, we shall run and not be weary because he is our strength and we shall walk and not faint regardless of how long and how hard our journey is. We can be strengthened and encouraged and not faint as we wait on the Lord. The Apostle Paul is another interesting person, how he encouraged the Christians in Rome with these words in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, that says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. End of quote. Do you realize who Paul was speaking to and what was happening in the lives of the Roman Christians at that time? At that point, the Christians in Rome were suffering great persecution, and they needed encouragement in great measure. They were being enslaved, separated from their families, their properties stolen. They were imprisoned, tortured, and even killed for the pleasure of the Romans who had become so perverted they loved seeing people killed simply for their entertainment. How about that? And don't you think that Christians could have thought or hoped that because they were walking firmly committed to the Lord, that God would save them from such a horrible existence, from such a terrible death? Many of them, we are told, were fed to hungry lions. I cannot imagine what that kind of death would be to be torn apart alive by lions, hungry lions. And yet their heart had to be encouraged so that they would not lose heart. They would not lose their faith in Almighty God. Why am I talking about this? With so much happening in the world today and in our country, United States of America, how does the present generation in America, see the nation as a whole. Do they have hope in their future? Is there hope in America? Are we improving America or making her worse? Are her stars and stripes getting brighter or are they fading? Is America as a country a has-been? If you live in this country, do you feel despondent? Or are you optimistic about our future as a nation? What will America look like in 10, 20, 30, or 40 years? What will our nation look like? And as our young people look forward to the years ahead, are they excited? Are they hopeful? Or are we squashing their enthusiasm? A generation of humans is like a field that is being cultivated. The kind of harvest that it will yield depends on the careful 
cultivation it has received. That has everything to do with the quality of soil that plants are going to go into. It must be carefully cultivated. For instance, has the soil been cared for? Soil needs care. Soil needs fertilization. Soil needs rest, time to recoup. Has the soil been properly prepared? Has it been fertilized and allowed to strengthen before planting so that when it does receive the seeds, it will have a lot of strength and nourishment to give those seeds? And it's also important to think, what kind of seeds have been planted? Have they received proper watering, sunshine, nourishment? You see, human beings need all this. They need proper cultivation in their thought life, in their spiritual realm. They need to understand and answer the existential questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? What happens after physical death? We know we all have to cross that threshold. What happens after that? When human beings are not answering those questions to themselves properly, guess what? They have no identity. They're drifting in life, and maybe their goals are too superficial. And once they arrive at those goals, they still feel empty and with no identity. They don't know who they are. We see it every single day in the people who have acquired fame, fortune, power, they can arrive at those levels and still feel empty and still not know why they are here, where they came from, and where they are going. And it is so sad when you know of a life that has ceased to be, and apparently they had everything. They had fame, they had fortune, they had youth, they had looks, everything that the world calls success or good assets, and they're gone. They're gone at an early age. What was their existence all about? What is the legacy that they left behind that is really worthwhile, that time will not fade? You see, the answer to these questions will give us a clearer picture so we can answer this question. Where is the hope for America? Where is the hope for your nation, wherever you are? Have you given up? Or do you have desires, aspirations, hopes, goals that you will reach in your nation? Every generation has a responsibility to pass on the torch of truth to the next generation and they to the next and so on and so forth. That is how you and I have received the truth that we now have corroborated. And that is very important. It is not that you just receive somebody else's truth. All truth must be tested, must be corroborated. It must have solid footing. Otherwise, it is not truth. It is wishful thinking. It is somebody's distorted ideas of what truth is. And those of us who have delved into many things, read many things, and proven many things, know that there's only one source of real truth. And that comes from God. And Jesus said it very clearly. 
He said, I am the truth, the way and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one makes it into eternity, into heaven, without Jesus, who is the truth. Many people fight against that truth because they want to make their own way. They want to be their own God. They want to open up their own path in life, thinking that they want to be and are unique in that way, but they want to do it independent from God. It will never work, ladies and gentlemen. It will never work with a good outcome. So we have the responsibility to pass on truth to future generations. And we start with those around us. If you are a person who is married, has children, you pass it on to your biological offspring. Teach them the truth that you have corroborated. So to understand the focus of this topic, we need to take a look at history to recognize the turns in the road and where we started to get off track because we have to admit America is off track in the areas that it truly counts and it is reflecting in every other area of our culture. Now, that would be a very, very extensive subject. So we're not going to go too far back in American history. But we are going to take into consideration the latest century that affected us so tremendously. So we will focus mostly right after World War II, even though we will see the beginning of the 20th century, some background, some aspects that have impacted us. Now, World War II lasted from 1939 to 1945. I don't know about you, but I was not born yet. How was America before the war? And how was America after the war? And this is the generation that impacts us because that's the generation that many are still alive today. And they are supposed to be passing on truth to future generations. Let's look at a little bit of background so we can focus a little more. Before World War II, America had already experienced World War I. After World War I came the Great Depression in 1929. And that impacted every area of our culture. Family, education, the economy, including the arts and literature. In the early 1900s, we saw a big significant change that impacted our way of life forever. For instance, with the first flight by the Wright brothers in 1903, what an impact in life that had. I often think about that when I'm boarding on a plane and, and flying across the world. I think, what would the ancestors think about us? Their way of travel was so slow so inefficient, and in a matter of hours, we can travel the world. That's what happened at the beginning of the 20th century. In 1903 was the first flight by the Wright brothers. Then came the automobiles. Oh my goodness, how revolutionary is that? Before that, people traveled by horse, then by horse and buggy, and it was awful. 
the automobiles came and revolutionized travel. The roads were built all across the nation. And then came the railroad. Oh, my goodness. The railroad also revolutionized. What about the silent movies? I wonder what people experienced the first time they ever saw a movie. Even though it was silent, how impactful was that? Music began to get a change as well. Jazz music came into the picture, opening up a whole new world for Americans. You see, history usually changes slowly over time. But the events and discoveries of the early 20th century stretched America rapidly in just a few decades. Technology exploded in ways that people hadn't even considered before. So how was life in America between the two world wars? First World War was in 1917. Second World War exploded in 1939. What happened in between? How did the country cope with all these crises? The period between the two wars lasted 23 short years. But those years brought important changes to Americans in politics, in culture, and traditions. Sandwiched in the middle of those two wars were what is known as the Roaring Twenties. Oh my goodness, what tumultuous times! The people made a feeble attempt to rid themselves of the progressive politics of President Woodrow Wilson, a man who greatly expanded the progressive policies. And when the people wanted a change, then they elected President Warren Harding, a conservative Republican, and so were the next two presidents that followed him, Calvin Coolidge and Herbert Hoover. Now, these men made their best attempt to restore our nation, but all their efforts were thwarted with the election of the progressive Democrat Franklin Delano Roosevelt, also known as FDR. Why? Because he promised to try new solutions to end the Great Depression. The people were desperate. The people voted their pocket, much like today, and we are not any better for it. This kind of thinking of trading our values for money is our main problem in America. We have betrayed all the values that gave us the right character as a nation, that gave us the right culture as a nation. We've betrayed all those things for money. Do you know what that is called in common terms? Prostitution. We have prostituted our nation. We've exchanged the most valuable things that we have for money. And this is how our country was launched with even greater speed down a slippery, spiritual, emotional, and cultural slope, which, sad to say, has not ceased up until today. Then came the invasion of Japan in Pearl Harbor in 1941. And that thrusted us into another devastating world war where hundreds and thousands and millions of people died. 
that time in America was very significant. And it caused a very significant shift as we experienced the devastation of World War II. And we could mention so many things. But the most important was that it started to fracture the family structure, which was greatly impacted by the war. Fathers died, sons died, brothers died, sisters died, and there was a cultural change. The effects of war can extend far beyond the deployed service member of our family. Children and families can struggle with changes resulting from the absence of a parent or a spouse. The mental health of the returning service members also affects the children, the family, and society as a whole. The needs of the entire family are important and must be addressed. It is sad to say that about that time, the most solid pillar in society that should have been there, which is Christianity, it began to fade as well. The messages were changed. The pulpits of America started to pussyfoot around and not calling sin by its name. And then there were the extremes. Those who were legalistic and wrongly divided the word of God that caused people to run the other way rather than to run to God. And then the social gospel was on the other side of the pendulum. There was not the balance of scripture that fills all in all. So we see that the church was complicit in all this fracturing of the family and of society. The effects usually include destruction of land and property, displacement of citizens, even post-traumatic stress disorder of the people involved, especially the soldiers. While the financial effects largely depend on the specifics of war, Often economies are negatively impacted, which then hurts the country's citizenry. So the American family, World War II, came to devastation, depression, deprivation, and death. The families on the home front were profoundly affected, and immediate political, psychological, and economic shift, spiritual shift, took place following the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941, because the United States found itself unprepared. They were not prepared for war. They were surprised. Government had become larger and more important. It dealt with many more issues in people's lives than it ever had before. Totally out of focus. Government has no business focusing on meddling and controlling private lives. They have bigger things to address for the good of all, but the focus was not there. So we see that all this background impacted the nuclear family. 
And we're going to continue with this topic, looking at all these aspects on how we can improve our nation and find our hope for our country once again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.